Blog Talk Radio. On the 22nd of January, 2018, from WBR... ...were recorded in a studio in Atlanta. But the fifth was something different. It was not a lecture, but a sermon that Dr. King delivered in his own church, the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It was Christmas Eve, 1967, and he took the opportunity to share his message of nonviolence with a larger audience. On Christmas Eve, the CBC presents Dr. Martin Luther King's Christmas Sermon on Peace and Nonviolence as the fifth and final Massey Lecture for 1967. Peace on Earth. On radio and on Boston Red Network, the title of this episode, Dr. King and the Struggle for Peace and Development. One cannot have uh, peace without development, and we've been talking about sustainable development around uh, the Boston Red Network uh, for a number of years, whether it's on the uh, software hardware uh, frontier or the economic frontier in macroeconomics. One has to have development to bring about uh, peace. Now, in the uh, current uh, struggle at the border uh, on this what was King Day yesterday, uh, we have to remember that the immigrants that are arriving at the border, why they are there. They do not have peace in our development in their home countries. Now, if you plan to solve that problem, you have to bring uh, peace to El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and what has been the history of the empire here, the U.S., they have brought instability, right-wing dictators in El Salvador, Guatemala, in Nicaragua, all those things were intervention there on behalf of the ruling class in the U.S. and establishment of some proxy class, wherever it be in El Salvador, a very bloody situation there, in Guatemala, in Honduras, in Nicaragua, and now they're trying to, uh, as it was one would say, 2.2, in Venezuela, where there is uh, some development. How does one get development? Well, to develop a people, first of all, you have to have an education system. But before you have an education system, you have to have a universal uh, health care. So education, universal health care, and then you have to have a capitalization. And that has been the problem in many of the countries. In Nicaragua, capitalization. In Cuba, a matter of boycotts that artificially determine what their economy is and blockades. That does not allow the Cubans to buy certain types of materials. The same thing with Venezuela. Now, when you try to artificially influence the economies, you create uh, problems. Now, in Venezuela, people were leaving Venezuela. Now, they're coming back to Venezuela. 
people are not leaving uh, Cuba. Many thousands have already departed uh, for Florida and points beyond. But that was a political situation. A political system, a situation brought on by the so-called Cold War. Well, we're not in a Cold War anymore. And the uh, sanctions and blockades. Now we have sanctions uh, in place for various countries. Iran, the Russian Federation, and others. Now that is a form of economic violence. As this week we cover the World Economic Forum, we'll have uh, various uh, pieces out there. Uh, sometime today we'll have out the uh, first session. It is a montage of various things, uh, including but not limited to globalization, uh, 4.0, public opinion, development. I just wrote a few of them down here. That uh, digital, uh, digital economics, how the digitized world affects economics, and that's globally as we have these uh, big behemoths out there, uh, the Facebooks of the world, the Amazons of the world, that are trying to make their way uh, to the rest of the world. Billions of people in India, billions of people in China. China has their own big behemoths. The only question is when will they make it to the U.S.? We're thinking of Alibaba here and various others that will uh, uh, will appear here. And the public opinion, uh, the matter in the West of privacy, uh, on Global 4.0, um, uh, a professor from China was talking about, and this is where we got the title for this uh, particular, part of the title for this particular episode, Dr. King, Peace and Development. Dr. King talked about peace, but if you recall his struggles, he started out with the struggle uh, for racial equality. In uh, Birmingham, the struggles in Birmingham, we still have struggles in Birmingham now. A, a group of uh, bad actors there stripped Angela Davis of a the uh, what is known as the Fred Shuttlesworth uh, Prize. Fred Shuttlesworth, of course, was intricately involved uh, in the uh, civil rights struggle there in Birmingham when Dr. King came to town. But Dr. King's movement quickly moved from the civil rights movement to a peace movement. He opposed the Vietnam War. And at that time, the racists said they were running a uh, Wilsonian uh, foreign policy, which is a racist foreign policy, we see some of it today in the Mideast and various other places. But he opposed the war, and they said, well, he should stick to preaching, even LBJ said this, and not interfere in, quote-unquote, foreign policy. There were few African Americans in a foreign policy at that time or were even associated with it. And if you notice today on the talk shows which we cover, uh, rarely do we see an African American appear to talk about, quote-unquote, foreign policy. I remember when Mr. Jimmy Carter appointed Henry, I believe his name was, to a foreign policy position at the U.N., 
and he had Andy Young there as a UN ambassador, where you had an African American speaking about so-called foreign policy. Well, this came out of the civil rights movement, the inclusion of African Americans in the political sphere. I was trying to recall the first African American uh, that was there. He actually uh, was an individual that uh, was in the Eisenhower time of Eisenhower that participated in one of the uh, peace fires, peace fires in the uh, Mid East. I'll have to get his name on a, another cast. Hadn't thought about him for some time there, but African Americans have been involved in international matters. And of course, we think of uh, General uh, Colin Powell with his uh, various positions at Joint Chiefs of Staff, etc., that speak on a foreign policy. And he was the National Security Advisor, of all things, under Ronald Reagan. But back to Dr. King and his struggle, it moved from nonviolent demonstrations to more peace work in general in terms of armed struggles where he spoke out against the uh, Vietnam War as being inhumane. And then he moved on to matters of economics, the Poor People's March but demanding jobs. The 1963 March on Washington was about jobs and freedom. It was not simply about, and I'd have a dream as speech, it was about freedom. And this particular uh, King Day, we hear echoes of and we'll get to that, some of the uh, tweets that went out and various people, including you know, B.B. Netanyahu. But the, the problem in the Mideast, the Mideast situation was a little bit different, different at the time of Dr. King's uh, death. But Dr. King did not get involved in the Mideast politics. And you understand this in the American context, because the American people are not today uh, people that are interested in, quote-unquote, global matters or foreign relations as a whole. And, uh, during the Vietnam era, which we were there for that one, uh, many of the people that were sent to Vietnam did not know where Vietnam was. They had absolutely no idea, period, where they were going. And they got there. And they were manipulated. The Pentagon even uh, spotlighted out a target, I guess is the correct word, uh, soldiers with lower than normal IQs. So they had all these things uh, pre-planned. But as we struggled through that great conflict, which brought about a social change throughout uh, the uh, country, on the Lyndon Johnson, we'd had the Voting Rights Act, we had the Civil Rights Act, all that in 1965. The 60s were, as they say, a volatile area. And then Dr. King was killed, and Malcolm was killed, and Robert Kennedy was killed, and out went the uh, progressive uh, people, and in came Tricky Dick out of California, second governor out of there. The next one would have been Ronald Reagan. So a fellow walked by the other day with a Reagan cap on. Anyway, that's some of the throwback that you occur here. Incidentally, when we leave, you'll hear from Dr. King. It was known as his Christmas address, uh, part of the uh, Massey lectures from the CBC, Canadian uh, Broadcast Company. 
It was at, given uh, in uh, 1967 at the Ebenezer uh, Church there in Atlanta, Georgia. Let me very uh, quickly finish up some of the other things in this uh, very brief broadcast before we do the sports. Michelle Alexander, well, let me get the King Day tweets first here from a split of just some of them that, that came out uh, from various uh, people. Uh, King's Day is a time to reflect on uh, one of the most honorable and uh, morally uh, righteous figures in uh, the country's history or set at home uh, eating uh, Cheez-Its. <laughs> but obviously a place to start uh, is the U.S. government, which is no fan of, of Dr. King's uh, various characters. The CIA even had the audacity to put one out here as a tweet, Remember Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., the Marine Corps, MLK Day, is some of the stuff coming out on the uh, Twitter. The Air Force, uh, the audacity of them, freedom, uh, uh, dignity, trust, respect, unification, peace, all those things. And uh, Martin Luther King Day, remember to celebrate the act on the 21st of 2019. The Air Force, injustice. Anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of uh, mutuality and uh, tied in a single uh, garment of destiny. Whatever uh, affects one affects all indirectly. Dr. King there. Oh, no. Steve King, I imagine this is the same creature. Dr. King gave us uh, his all for all. Uh, I have long agreed that with his speeches and his writings today, I think of MLK's uh, quote, our lives begin to the, to the end of the day and we become silent about things that matter. May we all renew ourselves in uh, his teaching so that he can rest in peace. That's the infamous Stephen King, uh, Steve King of Iowa, Benny Netanyahu, the uh, Prime Minister of the Israeli Zionist State. Today, Americans celebrate uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In uh, we in Israel appreciate uh, Dr. King and his efforts to stamp out bigotry, uh, including hatred against uh, Jewish people and the Jewish state. We remember that his uh, moral clarity is is when he said that uh, anti-Zionism is uh, anti-Semitism. Well, he lied there. This uh, fake came, quote, is so well that it's uh, made it into the Wikipedia uh, uh, page. The supposed letter to an anti-Zionist first appeared in 1999, 30 years after uh, Dr. King was murdered. The basis of this fake letter may be an account of one Jewish author who has written uh, that at a dinner in 1967, Dr. King once reprimanded a student for making sharply anti-Zionist comments equating it to anti-Semitism. Whether that happened or not is anyone's guess. Speaking of fake uh, history there, we don't know. What we know is that Dr. King welcomed the Jewish community into the movement. Quite a few uh, Jews participated in his efforts to end uh, desegregation. In fact, they not only participated, marched, uh, and but were killed, uh, 
Schumer I'm thinking of there was killed by the Klan. But Dr. King did not uh, often mention U.S. foreign policy in the Mideast, so any view uh, on uh, Israel attributed to him are almost entirely BS. Finally, uh, closing out the racist category, you know what Dr. King really loved? Uh, cops. Oh, boy, this is just pathetic. So the NRA even got into act today. The men and women of the NRA honor the, <laughs> boy, the profound life and legacy of Dr. King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King uh, applied for a concealed uh, carry permit. That is true. And in uh, many uh, issues stated and was uh, denied, we will never uh, stop fighting uh, for every law-abiding citizen uh, to uh, right to self-defense. Now, this is a very important article there. Uh, one of the uh, leaders of the uh, and organize, principal organizer of uh, by Rustin of the uh, March on Washington went to King's home. And, of course, there were plenty of ammo in that house, guns and what have you. And he said, well, we got to get this out of here now. Uh, we're supposed to be in peace work. But in the South, anyone will tell you Thurgood Marshall used to do it. They uh, carried a gun. When we worked uh, doing legal work and what have you in the South, we always carried a gun. And so that was a uh, part of it. Uh, and at that time, uh, the uh, so-called... Uh, rights of citizens to bear arms to today is not uh, equal uh, not equal is not extended to african americans although we have to recall recently a few months ago uh, a soldier was uh, killed uh, because he was trying to de uh, defuse a, a volatile situation by a police officer and he had a gun a permit and was still shot in the back dead. So, in other words, when you start talking about gun rights, Second Amendment rights, they do not even today extend uh, to African Americans. Not that we're talking about gun rights here, but the NRA needs to get this uh, clear. Now, the conceal or permit... Uh, was he was denied, no doubt about that, uh, but... African people in the South and in the North uh, always carried guns. Even the old NFL here, they used Larry Fitzgerald to write, his uh, words inspired a nation, empowered a people, broke down walls of uh, hate, and shuttered uh, the chains of injustice. They will echo through history, and our, children, uh, our children's children will uh, live in a better world because of the life of Dr. King, Larry Fitzgerald. And the NFL had the audacity to put this out. Today we join players around the league in celebrating the life, legacy, and lasting impact of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And we're appreciative of this organization putting together some of these tweets uh, that uh, we would have not uh, seminal recruiting. Happy King Day. Oh, boy. Yummer Brands, I believe they still own... Kentucky Fried Chicken, everybody can be great because everybody can uh, serve. Dr. Martin Luther King, Yummer, Yummer Brands, uh, we honor and celebrate uh, Dr. King. Is the parent company, oh yeah, of uh, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC. They no longer Kentucky Fried Chicken anymore. I suppose that went out. 
Anyway, and Starbucks coffee even got into it, although they were caught profiling uh, people. <laughs> yeah. And Mother Jones is here, and then that's the end of the the profiles. Uh, let's look at our time here, and we're going to do the sports. Um, we were going to do Michelle uh, Alexander's latest here. We'll preview it. We don't want to have time to uh, to do it anyway. This is Michelle Alexander. She wrote a a very famous book on incarceration, Time to Break the Silence on Palestine. Dr. Martin Luther King courageously spoke out about the Vietnam War. We must do the same when it comes to this grave injustice of our time. She's writing in the New York Times on the 19th of uh, January. On April the 4th, uh, 1967, Exactly one year before his assassination, the uh, Reverend Dr. King stepped into a lectrum at the uh, Riverside Church in Manhattan. The U.S. had been uh, in active combat in Vietnam for two years, and tens of thousands of people had been killed, including some 10,000 American troops. The political establishment from right to left backed the war. That was true, and more than uh, 400,000 American service members were in Vietnam and their lives on the line. Many of Dr. King's strongest allies urged him to remain silent about the war, or at least to soft-pedal any criticism. They knew that if uh, he told the whole uh, truth about the injustice and disastrous war, he would be falsely labeled as a communist, suffer retaliation, severe backlash, alienate uh, supporters, and threaten the uh, frugal uh, progress of the uh, civil rights movement. King rejected all of the uh, well-meaning advice and said, I come to this magnificent house of worship tonight because of my conscience leaves me no other alternative. Quoting a statement from clergy and lady concerned about Vietnam, he said, a time comes when silence is a betrayal, and added that the time has come for us in relations to Vietnam. And I'll get this in a different broadcast. I'm going to skip to uh, Professor Alexander's uh, closing. Uh, in just over a week, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute in Alabama, apparently on the pressure mainly from uh, segments of the uh, Jewish community and others, rescinded an honor it bestowed upon the civil rights icon Angela Davis, who had been a vocal critic of uh, the uh, Israeli uh, treatment of Palestinians and support the BDS. But that attack backfired. Within 48 hours, academics and activists mobilized in response to Mayor of Birmingham, Mr. Wolfen, uh, as well as the Birmingham School Board and City Council expressed outrage at the Institute's decision. The Council unanimously passed a resolution in uh, Angela Davis's honor. An alternative event is being organized to celebrate her uh, decades-long commitment to liberation for all. I cannot say for certain that Dr. King would have applauded uh, Birmingham for its uh, zealous defense of uh, Angela Davis' uh, solidarity with Palestinian people, but I do. In uh, the uh, new year, I am uh, speaking with a greater courage and conviction about injustice beyond our border, particularly those that are funded by our government and standing in solidarity with the struggle for democracy and freedom. My conscience leaves me no other choice. Michelle uh, Alexander, 
she has now spoken out, and it becomes time for people uh, to speak out. Many of the civil rights organizations like NAACP, etc., they would not speak out because they would see that they uh, their funds are tied into some of these organizations, and we can understand their particular uh, situation and where they are uh, there, and they need to look at uh, how funding is arrived. Uh, we'll just say it that way as we look to the sporting stores, uh, sporting scores. Excuse me. Our uh, Nadal. Uh, this is oh, this is set one. This is Australian Open. We look at it a little bit uh, here. Um, An American name, Danielle Collins, is unseated. She advances to the semifinals. Uh, she would have won her match 2 7 uh, 5. Well, we have a few scores here in men's hoops. We'll jump back to the Australian Open in a minute. We'll go to uh, collegiate uh, basketball. This would have been on Monday night. We had uh, Maryland, the tap, uh, Turpins. Uh, at uh, Michigan State, Michigan State uh, 69 to 55. Iowa State was at uh, Kansas, Kansas 80 to uh, 76. And finally, uh, Virginia Tech in North Carolina it was North Carolina 103 to 82. Back to the uh, NBA. The Thunder were at the Knickerbockers in New York. It was the Thunder 127. To 109, the Bulls were in a Cleveland. Bulls 104 to 88 for the Cavaliers. The Pistons were at the Wizards in D.C. The uh, Wizards 101 to 87. The Mavericks were in a Milwaukee. The Bucks 116 to 106. The Magic were at the Hawks in Atlanta. Magic 121 to 103 for the Hawks. The Kings and the Nets in Jersey. Oh, in Brooklyn, excuse me, uh, the Nets 123 to uh, 94 for the Kings, the Pelicans and Grizzlies. Pelicans 105 to 85, the Heat and Selks in Boston, uh, Celtics 107 to 99. The Rockets in 76, as it was in Philly, it was the 76ers 112 to 93. The Trail Blazers were at the Jazz. Uh, 109 uh, for the Trailblazers to 104 for the Jazz. And finally, the Warriors were down in Los Angeles. 130 for the Warriors and 111 for the Lakers. Uh, Lakers are still trying to get everything uh, together, as one would say. Music, you know, we're doing the NHL. Anyway, the Predators, uh, 4 to 1 over the Avalanche, the Blues, and the Kings. It was uh, the Blues, uh, 4 to 3 over, excuse me, the Kings, 4 to 3 over the Blues of St. Louis. The Wild and uh, the Golden Knights of Las Vegas. It was the Wild, 4 to 2 over the Golden Knights. The Sharks and Pampers. It was the Pampers, uh, 6 to 2. And so we go up here, and let me just look to the old Australian Open. I'm not sure. Uh, Australian Women's Open. Well, I'm not certain. That's just Colin winning her match there. Uh, I'd have to go to the BBC to get the uh, get the open, and we obviously are not 
going in that direction at this point in time. I um, see if I go to the BBC and do to the sports section. Well, sometimes the BBC redesigned uh, their website as they became uh, more, uh, I guess, what you'd call uh, uh, more commercial. Not certain where they uh, put. Uh, whoops. Yeah, the sports page used to be uh, very, very clear here at the BBC, and now uh, not uh, so clear. I guess, as one would say, like many other things, uh, they have uh, sort of disappeared uh, from maybe Australia. Maybe we're not going to get the Australian Open here, so I guess we can kind of, as they say, chalk it up to whatever uh, we're chalking it up to. Uh, not really certain what that is anymore. Even the BBC has uh, changed drastically. We used to have access to a sports uh, type of page at the, on from the main page, and now maybe we can get that one score. I, I doubt that. Uh, this is Nadal here. Nadal, how you pronounce his name? He. Um, he was ahead, and I assume he still is ahead. And maybe we're lucky. We'll see where he is. Uh, that looks like 30 nil here. We at least got uh, some. Um, I don't know. These are just rankings. Not going to do us any good. Anyway, uh, let's see. Where are we? Live scores, and maybe. Yeah, well, Colin, these are results here. Uh, Colin, uh, yeah, second set, 2 7 uh, 6. So we did find her. And Nadal uh, is at five now. I'm not sure what's. I guess that's the first set. My assumption. No, not men's doubles. Um, well, looking at the uh, men's doubles, mixed doubles, women's doubles. No, I guess this is all we're going to get from the Australian Open here. We're not getting anything else, so we can give it up. Nonetheless, this will do it for us. The uh, title of our uh, production on the 22nd of January, 2017. This is Boston Red from the Jerry Pippin Broadcast Booth. Christmas Eve, the CBC presents Dr. Martin Luther King's Christmas oh. Sermon on Peace and Nonviolence as the fifth and final Massey Lecture for 1967. Peace on Earth. This Christmas season finds us a rather bewildered human race. We neither have peace within nor peace without. Everywhere paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. Our world is sick with war. Everywhere we turn, we see its ominous possibilities. And yet, my friends, the Christmas hope for peace and goodwill toward all men can no longer be dismissed as a kind of pious dream of some utopian hoper. If we don't have goodwill toward men in this world, we will destroy ourselves. 
by the misuse of our own instruments and our own power. Yes, sir. Wisdom born of experience should tell us that war is obsolete. There may have been a time when war served as a negative good by preventing the spread and growth of an evil force but the very destructive power of modern weapons of warfare eliminates even the possibility that war may any longer serve as a negative good. And so if we assume that life is worth living, if we assume that mankind has a right to survive, then we must find an alternative to war. And so let us this morning explore the conditions for peace. And as we explore these conditions, I would like to suggest that modern man really go all out to study the meaning of Nonviolence, its philosophy and its strategy. We have experimented with the meaning of nonviolence in our struggle for racial justice in the United States. But now the time has come for man to experiment with nonviolence in all areas of human conflict. And that means nonviolence on an international scale. Now let me suggest first that if we are to have peace on earth, our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. No individual can live alone. No nation can live alone. And as long as we try, the more we're going to have war in this world, the judgment of God is upon us. Yes, sir. And we must either learn to live together as brothers, or we're all going to perish together as fools. Yes, as nations and individuals, we are interdependent. I've mentioned to you before of our visit to India some years ago. It was a marvelous experience. But I say to you this morning that there were those depressing moments. Well, how can one avoid being depressed when he sees with his own eyes evidences of millions of people going to bed hungry at night. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How can one avoid being depressed when he sees with his own eyes thousands of people sleeping on the sidewalks at night? More than a million people sleep on the sidewalks of Bombay, India every night. More than a half a million sleep on the sidewalks 
of Calcutta every night. They have no houses to go in. They have no beds to sleep in. As I beheld these conditions, something within me cried out, Can we in America stand idly by and not be concerned? And an answer came, Oh, no. And I started thinking about the fact that right here in our country, we spend millions of dollars every day to store surplus food. Make it plain. And I said to myself, I know where we can store that food free of charge. In the wrinkled stomachs of the millions of God's children in Asia and Africa, Latin America, and even in our own nation who go to bed hungry at night. It really boils down to this, that all life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny, and whatever affects one directly yes, sir. affects all indirectly. We are made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. And did you ever stop to think that you can't leave for your job in the morning without being dependent on most of the world. You get up in the morning and go to the bathroom and reach over for a sponge, and that's handed to you by a Pacific Islander. You reach for a bar of soap, and that's given to you at the hands of a Frenchman. And then you go in the kitchen to drink your coffee for the morning, and that's poured in your cup by a South American. Or maybe you want tea. That's poured in your cup by a Chinese. Or maybe you are desirous of having cocoa for breakfast, and that's poured in your cup by a West African. And then you reach over for your toast, and that's given to you at the hands of an English-speaking farmer, not to mention the baker. And before you finish eating breakfast in the morning, you are dependent on more than half of the world. This is the way... Our universe is structured. It is its interrelated quality. We aren't going to have peace on earth until we recognize this basic fact of the interrelated structure of all reality. Now let me say, secondly, that if we are to have peace in the world, Men and nations must embrace the nonviolent affirmation that ends and means must cohere. One of the great philosophical debates of history has been over the whole question of means and ends. 